to this episode of Saintly Witnesses, where I talk to the Catholic behind the account. On this episode, I'm talking to Drew Martin, who is a lawyer and a Catholic. Uh, today, he's going to give us his faith journey and how he incorporates his faith in his profession. A little bit of information about Drew. He earned his JD from LSU uh, University. Oh, LSU. So, yeah, very prestigious school out here in the South. So, uh, thank you for coming on and having this, this conversation. It's great to be here, man. Thank you. Yeah. So I always start about start these things off on how we got acquainted, and um, you know, just searching the the realm of social media, uh, I just noticed Drew some some many many months ago, and uh, his insights about some different things that he posted were you know really uh, really good. And over the over our you know followship and social media acquaintance, you know, I've got, come to know that he's has a very knack perspective on philosophy. And uh, and he also dabbles with music too. So that's really good. Both really good things, philosophy right. and music. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, before we were talking, um, well, I forgot the next step. So I'm gonna stop right here. Are you a, you're a cradle Catholic, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm just gonna edit that back part, cradle Catholic. Okay, so now I'm gonna continue. So before um, we were talking, during a break, you mentioned that you were a cradle Catholic. And um, so, yeah, tell us your cradle Catholic experience. How was it growing up in a Catholic home, middle years, and how that led you to your faith now? Yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey. It's probably not terribly exciting, but uh, I never had a road to Damascus type moment. I was a cradle Catholic. Both my parents are Catholics. Um, and we went to Catholic schools growing up um, from, from, you know, first grade to 12th grade. I was at Catholic schools in Baton Rouge. And uh, so I, I, was, I was raised in the church. Um, and I was, I guess, always um, interested in, in the kind of big questions. Um, I've always been curious about uh, the big issues, uh, as it were. And, uh, I remember, um, that for a time I wanted to be a priest. I was probably seven, eight years old and I thought I was going to be a priest. Um, but I was, I've never been smart, but I've always been very curious. Um, and that's been kind of a big part, I think, of my faith journey and where it's taken me now is, um, uh, the, the winding path because the, the curiosity has led me in different directions and, and sometimes uh, farther away from the faith. Um, but I, I think God has uh, given me this path because uh, of the insights I gleaned along the way of my various wanderings. Um, so I, I was a cradle Catholic grew up Catholic for a time, wanted to be a priest. I got confirmed when I was 16. Um, but I, I started having lots of questions, um, around 16, 17, 18 years old. Uh, probably by the time I got to college, uh, when I was 18, 19 years old, uh, I was probably somewhere between a deist and an agnostic, you know, uh, I don't, I, I did not have a particularly strong faith at that point. 
Um, but I think God, uh, the, the beautiful thing about God is that he speaks to us each in a language we can understand. Um, and that's what he did with me, I, I think. Um, when I got to college, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I still don't. Uh, but I started, uh, I tried to major in philosophy and I, 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 it seemed to coincide with the sort of thing I was actually interested in, um, asking and pursuing kind of the big questions. And, um, I read a whole lot of philosophy outside of, of school. Um, and I stumbled on Soren Kierkegaard, uh, who's a Protestant, uh, a philosopher, a theologian from the 19th century. Um, and uh, it really spoke to me um, about the possibilities of faith, uh, as it were. Uh, it was, it was a, a fairly, uh, discovering Kierkegaard was, was a fairly important step for me, but it was only one step. Um, and, and I kind of continued with my doubts and, and my uh, misgivings about various things. And uh, my faith sort of dissipated again. Um, it was never conscious. I, I never consciously rejected the church. I never consciously rejected anything. I just did not live the way I should live. I did not think the way I should think. I um, uh, did a lot of things I'm not proud of today. Um, uh, just the falling away and, um, in my, in my twenties. And I think in the last few years, uh, my faith journey has kind of taken me to the right place. Um, uh, you know, there, there, the last five or six years have been fairly momentous for me. I got married in 2014. Uh, immediately my wife got pregnant and we had our baby in 2015. Um, we got her baptized, uh, a little late. She it was 2016, January, 2016. We got her baptized, but that was a pretty big first step for me of really getting, um, engaged with the church, um, actively consciously saying, this is what I'm going to do. Um, the, the baptism process for her just reawakened a lot of, of, uh, of stuff that was deep inside of me from very early. Um, and then my wife, who is not actually a Catholic, um, encouraged me to join the Knights of Columbus, um, which I did. And there was just something very beautiful about um, the, the Knights of Columbus welcoming me in and exposing me to um this fraternity of of men who pray the rosary every day um the, these men who who uh bravely do what the church needs them to do um and it was it was very inspiring so that that was another kind of big step for me in in 2016 um made a lot of changes to my life within that time frame, um, within that year, actually. And I started reading some, uh, 
some stuff a, a little bit more deeply in philosophy that uh, I think brought me back. So that, that's been a pretty big part of it to me, uh, is, is reflecting on that, the interdependence of faith and reason, what faith does, what reason does, and uh, the interplay between them. Um, that, that was a fairly important step in my faith journey. And then most recently and, and most tragically, uh, a few months ago, my wife miscarried. She was pregnant with our son and uh, she miscarried. And it was such a huge blow and it, it hurts and continues to hurt so badly. But uh, the the comfort I felt in the church is almost inexpressible. Um, I immediately contacted my local priest and he dropped everything and, and gave us a little service and um, spoke some very, very comforting words to us. And my wife and I um, have kind of, uh, taken peace in uh, in the knowledge that it's not the end of the story um, for for our child and um, so that that rather traumatic ex experience recently has um, also been instrumental in in uh, having me choose to live in a more Catholic way. It was one of those um, things that I wish hadn't happened, but there were blessings to it. I think that's that's about the whole story of my faith up to now, um, as best as I can say it. All right, thank you for sharing that story. And also, uh, thank you for you know, sharing a moment of vulnerability regarding you know, your wife's miscarriage. I know uh, it's a sensitive topic that uh, you know, many people wouldn't share, but I definitely thank you for you know bringing that up, and um, I hope you, you and your wife continue to find support and compassion uh, yeah, in this process of recovery. Um, so you, you mentioned a lot of good stuff and a lot of stuff regarding you know the catechism, Christian ex existentialism. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I'm wondering, throughout this process, did you have any memorable moments in your faith or memorable people or teachings or something. You know like what I that. can tell you the most memorable experience in my faith is my first confession. Um, I don't remember how old I was, seven or eight, uh, giving my first confession and the feeling I had walking out. That's something that's stayed within my heart. Um, like I said, that, that's the closest thing I've had to my road to Damascus moment of, of a sudden jolt of, of a feeling of God's presence. Um, that feeling as I walked out of the confessional on the day of my first confession was simply trans transcendent. I, I don't know how else to describe it. it. It's not something I could put into words. And, uh, you know, like many of us who, who, 
whose faith kind of lapsed a little bit. I, I went several years without giving confession. And then um, before starting to get back in the swing of it um, and, you know, quarantine and, and uh, the lockdown has made it really tough. I think on a lot of people who want to go to confession who want to partake in the sacraments. And, and luckily we opened up enough in Louisiana that I was able to do that. Um, month and a half ago for the first time in I don't know how long and it was it was a similar experience to the first confession it was long delayed um, and such a relief and so I think confession is just such a important and powerful sacrament certainly in my life that that's been a really important moment for me um, and then like I said my, my daughter's baptism was was very And thank you for sharing that about the importance of the sacraments. So the next question is, um, you know, RCIA season is coming around, but you know, it's a lot of year round RCIA processes across in different dioceses. Uh, what would you say to anybody who uh, wants to convert to the Catholic church or is discerning that uh, call? My, my, my half serious answer is I, I wouldn't say anything. I'd direct them to somebody who's a better ambassador for the church than I am. Um, I'm a very disagreeable person and and, and not terribly uh, good salesman. But in more seriousness, um, I I tell them to to read a lot. I tell them to listen a lot. And uh, what what we have as Catholics is a tradition that stretches back thousands of years. Um, any questions you've had about this or that related to religion, the, the pursuit of God, another Catholic has asked um, at some point and has given answers for. Um, and, and that's one of the, the beautiful things about having the church and having that tradition is you have a, a a repository for all this information and all these answers um, and these perspectives that that you couldn't even have foreseen. So I, I tell them to read and tell them to go to mass and to to just listen with an open heart. Yeah, that's definitely good advice. That's can aid somebody in their faith uh, conversion to the Catholic Church. Just out of curiosity, um, when you were talking about your faith journey and you being influenced by uh, Soren Kierkegaard and other existential uh, mm -hmm. figures. Uh, did you ever read uh, Thus Spoke Zarathustra by Friedrich Nietzsche? Yes, yes, I did. Okay, just wondering. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm currently reading through it and I think it's interesting. Novel. Very, and also, very, go ahead. Go, go. Uh, I'm just gonna say, very interesting. He's such a compelling writer. Uh, makes you wish he had been a Catholic <laughs> and have used his, uh, his, his powers of, of language um, and rhetoric for, for us instead of, uh, you know, in some sense against us. But, but it, it is very interesting. I've, I've read many things by Nietzsche. Cool, cool, cool. So the next part is the human interest component where we talk about, you know, this hobby or passion of yours that you, engage with. And so at the beginning, I mentioned that you were a lawyer. 
And uh, so, yeah, how did you get into this profession? Um, or how did you, you know, discern that call to want to be a lawyer? Well, yeah, that's a good question because I didn't um, at all. <laughs> my, like I said, my dad's a law professor at LSU and uh, a lot of family history in law. And so I like to say that, uh, it, and what my dad teaches is, is oil and gas law and uh, philosophy of law. Um, and so I, I like to say that, that growing up, I didn't know what I wanted to be, but I knew what I didn't want to be when I didn't want to have anything to do with law or oil and gas. And now I'm an oil and gas lawyer primarily. Um, I, I fell into it because I, I graduated college with a degree in philosophy and a, uh, another degree in creative writing. And, um, <laughs> I wanted to go into academia like my parents, um, but I ran across a, an interesting website that laid out the job market for philosophy professors, and it was staggering um, how, how stacked the odds are against you um, in this market with the number of jobs shrinking and yet the number of graduate students, PhDs growing. And so I, I knew that I didn't want to try my hand at that. I, I didn't want to risk it. And I didn't know what else to do. I spent uh, a year and a half out of school and then uh, on a lark, I took the LSAT and did okay and applied to one school, not thinking I'd go. And uh, I went, <laughs> but I was certain that I wasn't gonna be a lawyer, that I'd do something else with my degree. Um, and I met my wife in law school. Uh, she was going to school with me and started really liking her and thinking that, you know, be a good idea to stick around and maybe have some sort of stable job. Uh, I graduated law school and decided I might as well try, you know, try to be a lawyer. And uh, a friend's dad set me up with uh, a meeting with a, a law firm in Shreveport, Louisiana, um, where I had never lived. And uh, I interviewed and, and got a job and have been working at the same place ever since in, in 2012. Um, so the I have accidentally fall, fallen into law and uh, can happily report that it's way better than I expected it to be. Um, I, I feel like this is yet another area where God has spoken to me in the language I can understand. He has put in front of me a, a career that that um, comports with with how I think and and um, plays to whatever limited skill set I have. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. You know, we have a lot of plans, and then ultimately those plans don't go the way we want them to. But God has a, a way better plan for our career and education. So uh, I can definitely relate to that. Um, so what are some challenges that you ex experienced in uh, working in law? Well, I guess the, the, the expected ones are, are the, uh, the, the inherently combative nature of litigation, which is what I do. Uh, you're suing somebody else uh, on behalf of your client and um, you say, you know, you owe us money or they say you owe, us, uh, owe me money. And um, 
it's just the whole thing is by its very nature uh, combative and confrontational. Um, so the challenge is is trying to not succumb to that temptation of of making it um, a contest, uh, you know, between people on a on a personal level. Um, trying not to feel angry at the lawyers that you're arguing with all the time. That that's a challenge for I think a lot of us in in that profession is is keeping our eyes on the on the prize on the big picture and and not taking these um necessary disagreements more seriously than we have to you know we you, you have to very seriously represent the interests of your clients but that can't be at the expense of of um how you comport yourself uh, dignity afford afforded to other people so that that's a challenge i think um yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. You have to uphold a certain sense of, you know, dignity and respect for people, although you may disagree with them. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So what are some challenges that you, I mean, not challenges, uh, experiences that you gained while, you know, practicing in this field? I've met a lot of interesting people. I've learned a whole lot about uh, other people's lives and uh, the challenges other people face. Uh, you go through some some emotional experiences with people, uh, with your clients. Um, when you lose something, it's it's devastating for both of you. When you win something, you're both you know exhilarated. Um, and so it's been nice forging personal connections with people and getting to know other lawyers in the community um, and and building friendships there. Um, and I can say that where I work, um, there is a, a dedicated core of Catholic lawyers who it's been really inspiring to watch um, and to work with. Okay, that's a really good experience right there. So the last important question, you know, that um, piggybacks on the first half and this half is how do you intersect uh, your Catholic faith into your profession every day? Yeah, um, I wish I I wish I could do it more, or I wish I would do it more. I guess uh, uh, treating other people with dignity and respect at all times, being as honest as I can. Um, but I think also in other respects, uh, explaining to people the law, and uh, you know, one very popular topic among Catholics in in regards to law is is abortion law and I think a lot of people don't understand the ins and outs and the jurisprudence and the constitutional stuff and so explaining that um, you know and how it coincides with with Catholic belief and probably the belief of uh, uh, most people who, who believe that human is who human life is inherently valuable uh, that that's one way I try to do it is try to explain areas of the law like abortion law or uh, death penalty law or, or so forth, how that intersects with with um, our faith. Um, a lot of people 
find it very intimidating to to wander into legal discussions and um, I think if if God has given me any talent it's explaining legal concepts in uh, a more understandable way thank you for sharing your you know how you act as a witness for the Catholic faith in uh, the professional law, because I can imagine there are a lot of ins and outs that, you know, we don't know about, that you have the privilege of having the knowledge to share and educate Catholics and those, you know, who have that uh, knowledge and wisdom of law. So you can kind of like, uh, you know, go back and forth with, you can converse with Catholics and converse with those in law and educate both on things that they don't know of. Yeah, so that's, that's a good really, way to put it. Yeah, that's a, that's a cool way to... Um, I mean, I think that's what we should all, we can all strive to do. And so that, you know, that's going to wrap up, you know, the interview. But as I was hearing your faith journey, particularly the faith journey part, I wrote down some, some interesting notes. I just wanted to, uh, you know, tell this back to you because I think yeah. it's important. And, you know, I think, you know, in your faith journey, you, it's, it sums up as, you know, it's a pursuit of truth. And, you know, truth is vital, you know, mm -hmm. Truth isn't a matter of subjectivity. It isn't a matter of, you know, groupthink. Right. Uh, you know, it's just one standalone objective truth that's out there. And when we think about, you know, faith, you know, faith isn't a, a blind assent to something. Right. You know, God, as you pointed out in the catechism of the Catholic Church, you know, God has these proofs. And it's ultimately a matter of, you know, revelation of how God has revealed himself in the universe. And, you know, I was thinking about fideism, you know, the Catholic Church is staunchly rejected fideism i think it's probably yeah. even her a heresy in the church i, I think it is yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah you know this faith is not this blind um action but it's a it's it's so much more it's a free choice it's a mental yeah. ascent to you know god's revelation that he's dispersed across uh the, the cosmos in this in this way and you know we have to freely give ourselves and mentally join the, the free choice and the mental yes yeah, right the, the so. you know in, in john paul ii's faith and reason uh, i would say the latin but i'm not sure i'd get the pronunciation right um, he talks about the the twin um and interdependent concepts of the subjective and the objective and, and that's in the catechism too of of how yes it does take something personal from you you have to take that step but it's not a blind step because you can look and see uh, god gave us this faculty of, of reason and gave us uh faculties of faith and and if we use them um we can if we choose to see the truth he has revealed and and i think that's the real blessing of our ability to reason um, the curiosity I mentioned in the first place is is one of the most beautiful gifts God can give us. I, I, I think of, you know, in, in this regard, uh, Paul Gauguin, the, the painter, um, he's a, a, a painter. He was raised Catholic. He certainly didn't live as a Catholic, but um, he, he painted uh, what he thought was his masterwork, which is called... Um, where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? Um, and, you know, it's that line of questioning that um, 
leads us to to the search for God. As, as the Catechism says, the the desire for God is written in the human heart. Um, and one of the ways that that it's written is by our search for truth and our search for um, God, who is truth. So. I actually think that, I mean, uh, although we get caught up in, you know, first cause, uncaused, and teleological yeah. and cosmological explanation, I think the, the phenomenon of historical experience of the human race always having a, a belief in God is right, a, a right. strong proof in the existence of God. So Right, right. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's totally right. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that with you, and I was definitely uh, eye-to-eye with you when you were saying that. So, Thank yeah. You. So, um, yeah, that's going to conclude this episode, and I definitely thank you for coming on and sharing your, you know, dynamic faith journey and how you weave this into law, and uh, I know we will continue to stay in touch, and yeah, man. you will. Uh, so, uh, that's it on this episode of Saintly Witnesses, and you guys can tune in to the next episode.